0: Amnesty's secret comedy podcast. We've just finished recording the Amnesty International secret comedy podcast. What a great show! Sandy Toxvid revealed how she nearly brought Radio Four into disrepute.
1: I said it was the Tories who were busy putting the N into cuts.
0: <laughs> Nish Kumar stormed it with some great stand-up.
2: My mother is so pessimistic. If there was an Olympics of pessimism, my mother would not fancy her chances.
0: And Lucy Porter revealed a celebrity secret you don't want to miss.
3: Well, I have seen Peter Stringfellow naked. So, ah.
0: Keep listening right to the end of the show to find out how you can help Amnesty International. Right, let's crack on with it, shall we? Please welcome your host. Oh, have I got to introduce myself? It's me, Christian (laughs) O'Connell. Welcome to Amnesty International's secret comedy podcast, live from the underbelly here in Edinburgh. I'm your host, Christian O'Connell. Thank you very much to all who've come here today to show support uh, for the human rights organisation, Amnesty International, and for great comedy. Please give yourselves a big, smug, middle-class round of applause. On the show today, we've got the inventor of QI, John Lloyd is here. (laughs) Sandy Toxvick's here too. Lucy Porter. So please, don't go switching off and keep listening all the way to the end to find out how you can help Amnesty International. Let's kick things off now with some stand-up. Welcome back to the Amnesty podcast, Eric Lampert.
4: Bonjour. Bonjour, ça va bien, mesdames et messieurs? Non? Oui, spreche-z-deutsch? Hello? Nein. Um, come on, this is Am- Amnesty International, international. You should all be speaking another language. It's great to be here at Edinburgh French Festival. Are you well, by the way? Hey, I'm glad that you're well because I get to do this all over the world and sometimes people aren't well and it's very annoying. Uh, I did a gig once in Milton Keynes and of course they're not well, they live in Milton Keynes. Like 300 roundabouts that place has, from the sky it looks like it has acne, it's a horrible gig to place. if God grabbed the Planet, there would be a tiny bit of Braille and it would be Milton Keynes and it would say, Kill us now. It's a horrible place. And so I did a gig once in, in a working man's club, which I thought was ironic because they were all unemployed. Um, how do you know, Eric? Did you ask? No. But how many people are available on a Monday afternoon and drunk? Eleven. Eleven people. It was a horrible gig. And so I said to them, I was like, are you well? And no one responded except for this guy in front that goes, "No, nah, mate, we're not well. Like, oh, all right, what's what's your problem, friend? He's like, oh, nothing really, it's just that, I once had sex with a girl that looks like you. (laughs) Hey, at first I thought it was a compliment, you know, "Mm, cracking taste in women. Uh, But no, turns out it was a heckle. And I don't mind, I don't mind getting heckled, I quite like it, but the girl with the big gums next to him, she looked a little bit upset. Uh, I thought she was sexy. And the thing, I don't have a problem with my big gums, but a lot of people seem to have uh, a problem. I, there was a theory going around at school as to why I had big gums. Basically, my dad is a jockey, and people, people don't believe me. The theory was that basically he got, he was lonely in a stable one day, and, you know, you can, I'm sure you can work it out. Yeah, well, maybe, but the dates don't match. Like, my dad is small. My dad is small. He, like, when he stands next to me, he looks like my son that suffers from that aging disease. You know. Oh, he's so brave. What's his name? Dad. It's an unusual name. Well, it runs in the family. I don't know what to say. My mum's tall. She's about 17 hands high, right? And my dad's fun. I, I like my dad. Tiny, homunculus, father. And one day he thought it'd be hilarious to pick me up from school on a horse. He was like, hop on. And all the kids are like, oh, Eric, your mum and dad are here. I was like, Shut up! So the gig at Milton Keynes, they were heckling. They were like, yeah, mate, you do look like a woman. No, he doesn't heckling each other. I wasn't even needed at this gig. Just give him a roundabout to play with. No, he doesn't. He looks like Narnia. Not a character from Narnia, the whole of Narnia. The concept of Narnia. So I was like, all right, all right. I can see what you mean. I've got big hair like a lion. I look ill like a witch, but how do I look like a wardrobe? Right. And this legend from behind a fruit machine goes, you don't look like a wardrobe, but I bet you've come out of one you big gay Frodo. Some of you are nodding. I said, yeah, I agree. I, mean, I can sort of see you know, what you mean. You know, but I, the, the heckle made me very angry. And you wouldn't like it when I'm angry because I get flatulent, right? It really bothered me. Because we all know, firstly, Frodo is from the Shire in Middle-earth. Narnia, however, is it's not a real place, okay? <laughs> Secondly, it suggests that gay people come over any furniture now. Oh yeah, not just closets, oh, did you not know? Wardrobes, cupboards, they're all over Ikea. Like, just coming out, open a drawer. Hiya! Frodo, what are you doing in my drawers? Uh, I'm hiding from Bilbo, because he doesn't know I'm a hobbit sexual. Nice. Can I have a spoon? Oh, we never ask. Nice solid hobbits, not that kind of spoon. Now, I didn't say any of that to him at the gig. I thought of it on the way home on a train, crying. But what I did say to him, I was like, mate, why do you think I'm gay? There's nothing wrong with that, but why do you think that? He's like, oh you know, because you got long hair like a girl, you put makeup on your face, you've got nail varnish on and stuff. I was like, oh mate, if anything, when I touch myself, it looks like a woman's hand. So when you touch yourself, it looks like a man's hand. Who's gay now? <laughs> you could tell all the men in the audience were like, oh crap. He's right, Gary! How are we gonna do it now? I'm on it, I'm on it! Like, you could tell they were being homophobic towards themselves. It was an amazing sight to see. Like, one man started punching himself in the face, another man threw up on his own balls. It was incredible. All I'm saying is I'm glad that you're well. (laughs) Thank you very much, have a
0: lovely time. Bye-bye. Let's hear it for Eric Lampert. First guest, then. On the show now, comedian, novelist, actor, broadcaster, playwright, and now university chancellor. She's the only woman who could possibly get away with dropping the C-bomb on Radio 4. Please welcome Sandy Toxvig. <laughs> Please, Sammy, did you really get away with saying the C-bomb on Radio 4? Not
1: really. Sort of. Um, what happened was, it's, it's in the great British tradition of innuendo, uh, and I was talking about uh, the slashing of uh, child benefits that was occurring under the Conservatives, and I said it was the, uh, it was the Tories who were busy putting the N into cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think it's a perfectly reasonable joke. Ah, but in fact, what happened was the Daily Mail went nearly berserk. They had, oh, I know, one complaint. Um,
0: That's quite a mild reaction it. It was them, a though.
1: crazy thing. And they put it on, their, on the front page of their paper because, heaven knows, people aren't dying around the world. Um, And uh, so what happened was every time I went anywhere, people would would ask me about this and I would repeat the joke and it it has become more successful as a joke than it ever would have (laughs) (laughs) if the Daily Mail hadn't got quite so cross. It's got its own agent now It's touring just that joke. It's a show by itself.
0: Now, as we know, Amnesty campaigns heavily, and rightly so, um, for LGBT rights. Stephen Fry's written an open letter uh, about Russia Mm. saying that actually they should be excluded uh, from uh, future Olympic Games because they're making... uh, gays, scapegoats, you know, in his, in his letter. Sorry,
1: just to be clear, is Stephen gay? I had no <laughs> idea. They're everywhere.
0: <laughs> Stephen Fry's or gays? Well,
1: I just feel like Stephen Fry's.
0: <laughs> what are your th- thoughts on that?
1: Well, uh, it is extraordinary that uh, we were taking Olympic Games to uh, a nation that has such an appalling uh, human rights record mm. to me. Uh, this suggests that we're giving them some kind of credence a bit like there's been a comparison made with the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Yeah. Um, Russia has just, I don't know how many people know this, just passed a law in the Duma permit, prohibiting the dissemination of information about homosexuality to anybody who's under 18. All this will lead to is an increase in suicides amongst young people who are perhaps confused about their sexuality. Um, absolutely, with Stephen on this, I think that uh, this is the time for the international community to stand up and say, this is not happening. And we will not go to these Winter Olympics unless Russia has another look at why it is prosecuting people simply because of their sexuality. Let's all just be a little bit more mature. And one of the ways that we will show our maturity is to say to Russia, that will do, and we're not coming to support your games unless you do something uh, about your human rights record. And that includes, I have to say, the Pussy Riot uh, women who are incarcerated. That's another area that they need to have a strong look at. I believe in people power. Come on, people. Let's all be strong together.
0: Do you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm sat here listening to this, right? You, you speak so articulately and easily about these things, right? They're important issues, very timely issues now. Why aren't you doing something in politics? Wouldn't you vote, Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know this. But why should you know
1: this? Last week, I uh, went into Wandsworth Town Hall, which was uh, in London, and I became, after living in Britain for 40 years, a British citizen. And uh, it is my intention, uh, when I give up showing my pants for a living, which I'm currently (laughs) doing, um, to do some kind of uh, public service. So that is uh, where I'm heading.
0: Oh, I look forward to that. Sandy, thank you you very much for coming on the show. Pleasure. Danny Toxic, everyone. Right, where is Rob from uh, an amazing group called Abando Man? He's here. Rob, could you come up? and tell us how you're gonna close the show later. Uh, Hello, we can indeed.
5: Uh, We are a band of band. We are a hip hop crew from Ireland. I know, that was obvious when we got on stage. We are going to finish the show with a freestyle, improvised wrap up of the whole show.
0: Okay, Rob uh, and a band of man. We will see you at the end of the show. Good, Good luck. Thank you. Comedy mastermind John Lloyd and celebrity mastermind Lucy Porter are waiting in the wings. Before we get them on, uh, let's have some more stand up. Now he spent last year's fringe trying to understand his parents and returns this year to have a cracker understanding himself. Please welcome Nish Kumar. <laughs>
2: Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? Are you right? I'm a British Asian gentleman. People did not know how to respond to that. Some people said hello. Other people oohed. Everyone else clearly a racist. Now, I come from a long line of Indian pessimists. My mother is an incredibly pessimistic woman. It's not so much her glass is half empty. There's no glass and everything's covered in shit. My mother is so pessimistic. If there was an Olympics of pessimism, my mother would not fancy her chances. (laughs) Now, in the interest of full disclosure, that's the best joke in the set, so... (laughs) You're about to watch a man treading water for the next three to four minutes. Um, I always introduce myself as being Indian at the top of the show, because I'm proud of it. But I also do it to dispel any doubt that may be in the room, because I am aware that this face is an ethnically ambiguous situation, okay? It looks like I've gone to a costume party dressed as everyone. And <laughs> here's a nice trick about my face, is it changes ethnicity depending on the angle at which you are looking at it. So it starts out like this going, Arab, 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 Arab Brazilian. It's that kind of face. <laughs> Obviously, I realize that for podcast listeners, that was quite a difficult sell, <laughs> given that you can't currently see my face. What I would advise you to do is if you're in front of your computer, why not Google Art Malik, Cat Stevens, and imagine some kind of hybrid? Um, I want to tell you a story about the last time I was uh, racially abused. Uh, it happened uh, near my house in South London, where I live, and I was waiting for a bus, uh, but it was waiting for, it was not any ordinary bus because any of you that live in big cities will be aware of the phenomenon of the night bus. Basically what happens is after midnight all the trains stop and the buses become floating mental hospitals. It is is—it's <laughs> just full of feckless drunks and stand-up comedians and believe me there's a lot of crossover in that Venn diagram. <laughs> So I'm waiting for one of these mobile atrocities. And it's a typically diverse South London crew. There's people of all cast, colours and creeds standing there. It looks like an incredibly depressing Benetton advert because no one's buying jumpers off the back of a night bus queue, for Christ's sake. And there's a man stood in front of the queue being incredibly racist. He's just pacing back and forth using all manner of obscenities, just walking around saying, oh, look at these packies, look at these chinks, look at these curry munchers. When he said packies and curry munchers, I was a bit like, you already did us. All right, maybe move on to the next ethnic group. And the funny thing is, when he started being racist, I was very tired, it was very late in the night, and I wasn't angry or upset. When he started being racist, the thought in my head was, oh, I'm not in a mood for this. Which is weird, because that implies some mornings I get up and go, I'll tell you what I'm in the mood for. <laughs> Legs Benedict and race hate. Eventually, he decides that his racism is so great it's being wasted on these people. They've been a very bad audience for him. So he needs to share it with somebody, somebody who he can't see, but somebody who he knows is standing behind him. He does not realize that that person is me. And as such, he is about to invite into racism a genuine bona fide brown man. Now, this is exactly what I saw. I saw him turn around, go, can you believe this? See me and go, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) At which point I said, sorry. Who apologizes to a racist, for Christ's sake? I felt so embarrassed. I felt angry with myself. I felt like I'd let my friends down. I felt like I'd let my family down. I felt like I'd let Nelson Mandela down. But then luckily I had a few days to think about it. I was able to process what had happened. And one of the things that this guy was saying was, there's nothing British about Britain anymore. Look at these people. It's like the presence of people like me was diluting the very essence of Britishness that he holds dear. My question for him and for all of you is how much more British can you get than apologizing to a racist (laughs) in a queue? (laughs) Thank you very much for having me. Have a lovely afternoon. Goodbye.
0: Okay, let's get some more guests on. Uh, not the nine o'clock news, Blackadder, Spitting Image, QI, more BAFTAs than anyone in the world except Judy Dench, a clean driving license, and secondary school French. It's an amazing CV for John Lloyd. And something equally impressive, she's got the highest ever score on Celebrity Mastermind, Lucy Porter. Please welcome onto stage Lucy Porter and John Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> This is really interesting, right? Because uh, obviously, John, we know you from the amazing TV shows you've been involved in. You know, these are you know some of the most iconic TV comedy shows ever. But you're actually performing at the Fringe, um, and I think the last time you were performing here was in 1976. Yes. You've got a lazy performer, aren't you? <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, uh, last year we put on a show for Douglas Adams's would have been his yeah. 60th birthday, his virtual 60th, and. Um, we ran a competition for new definitions for the meaning of lift. I don't know if anybody knows the book, but Douglas and I wrote this book in 1983, and it's a dictionary of things there should be words for but aren't. Yeah. Okay, and they're all place names. Um, Famously, Kettering is the marks left on your bottom and thighs after sitting sunbathing on a wickerwork chair. A Grimbister is a large body of cars on a motorway, all travelling at exactly the speed limit because one of them is a police car. (laughs) Um, Shoeburiness is probably something you're all experiencing at the moment, which is uh, the vague, uncomfortable feeling you get from sitting on a seat still
0: warm from somebody else's bottom. (laughs) How important do both of you think comedy is, you know, a, a, as a tool for political message and also not just message, but ridicule? I think now more than any other time, you know, I grew up watching Spitted, Spitting Image, right? My mum and dad let me watch Spitting Image if I'd been good during the week. It was a treat on a Sunday night. It was and still remains to this day, the naughtiest and most shocking TV and exciting TV I'd ever seen. Mm. And yet in this day and age, when we should be to have TV like that on our screens, it's on the internet. Mm. D- that strikes seems as being wrong. It, be. it seems toothless now, a lot of it.
6: Yeah, there's a, uh, it, it is a shame that um, uh, the media lost its sort of courage in terms of outspokenness. I think, and um, in the middle of Spitting image, people used to. I used to quite often debate with Tory MPs and. Uh, I was happy to remind them continually that Spitting Image used to get 15 million viewers every Sunday night, which is one and a half million more people than it took to elect the Thatcher government of 1983. (laughs) (laughs) And so that we were a valid constituency, you know. Um, But people used to say to me, if you don't like this country, why don't you go and live in Russia? (laughs) (laughs) I say, I think you've slightly got the point. I haven't got the point of a free society. The reason, it's a wonderful thing that you can Speak out against the government without being arrested, um, and we used to because the Labour government, the Labour opposition at the time was so feeble and couldn't think of anything to say. We used to call ourselves Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition, you know, and and just put the other point of view. That's what democracy is about—a a diversity of points of view. And so, a week in, are
0: you enjoying it? What, what's it been like?
6: Well, I think it, it, one of the things, like we were saying earlier, that. You join a kind of Freemasonry, because I've got lots of friends who are comics, but there's always that divide between somebody behind the camera and somebody in front. You have to go in front of the camera to know just how how proud we should be of our comic talent in this country and anywhere in the world. It's the bravest thing you can do. The most common phobia of all, more than heights or lions or sharks or anything, is the fear of public speaking. In surveys, about 50% of people say they would literally rather die than have to make a speech. I remember the very first QI we ever made and uh, I went, you know, into the wings and we got a big audience for QI, it's 600-odd people and Stephen Fry was in the wings alone about to go on, about to be introduced as the national treasure, you know, and the funniest men in the country and he was going, oh, fuck, I'm so useless, I'm so terrible, oh, God, why am I doing this, I hate myself and I had no idea that every speech Stephen makes, he's equally nervous, you know, and you would never know, would you?
0: Can you share a secret with us? I can, oddly,
6: and it's bang-on topical. Um, I happen to know that Sandy Toxvig was offered a peerage recently, which would mean that she could be in government, but she couldn't accept it because she was Danish until... So that is absolutely hot off the press. Because she's now a British citizen, she could be in government really quite easily. Because a lot of people, it's not just you and me who are keen that Sandy should be the next Prime Minister. (laughs) It's a lot of people.
0: So I hope she gets it. Ah, that's really exciting. Uh, Let's chat to Lucy now. So you're also up here performing your uh, current show, Northern Soul, about the differences between... The north and south. There I'm is an east-west
3: tough. divide as well that is people there? don't talk about so much. But yeah, definitely. Well, or no, maybe an east-west sort of similarity. I think uh, Norwich and Hull are the two best places to play. Are they twinned? Apart of Edinburgh, obviously. Uh, but they are. I always think they're like the two little nipples of Britain that you just tweak them and have a lot of fun.
6: Oh, I was no. going to ask you, Lucy, about. I, I don't know why you talking about Norwich. You've been to Ipswich.
3: <laughs> do, you, do you know? I don't think. I don't do know, know that I've know ever there's been. There's an
6: interesting fact about Ipswich. It isn't twinned with anywhere but it has a suicide pact with Grimsby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lucy, uh, John shared a secret with us. Have you got a a secret for us that you can share?
3: Mine's not quite as exciting, but I... Well, I have seen Peter Stringfellow naked. So, uh... (laughs) ah... I uh, Some warm
0: sick has just come up in my throat. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Talking about sexism, I've kind of turned the tables on a man who <laughs> makes other women get naked I accidentally. I think it, I don't know if it was by accident or by design, but I was when I was a producer, I, uh, he was in his dressing room and I had to go in and talk to him. And he's very hairy as well. He's one of those men who wasn't born, he was knitted. And, uh, and he sure uses... it was
6: Peter Stringfell, not a pepperami or something?
3: <laughs> <laughs> just a very tan sausage. Uh, <laughs> Let's lift that clip out. Oh, a
0: horrible image. <laughs>
3: but yeah, he wears two different types of aftershave. One is not enough, uh, so he blends.
0: What, like a north south divide? Two, yes. <laughs> yeah. Did he, since you saw him naked, did he have a
6: Mauritius? Do you know what a Mauritius is? Oh, go on. It's in the new version of meaning lift called afterlift. And the Mauritius is the clump of pubic hair that always gets missed when you're shaving your scrotum. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apparently. Imagine you be shaving that and your wife walks in and wants to know what earth you're doing, what possible explanation is there? <laughs> is it, if you take that away, it's like cutting a hedge, it looks a bit bigger, the driveway. Uh,
1: <laughs>
3: I might try it
0: later on tonight,
3: OK? In fact, here's a bonus uh, secret for you, Christian Slater, the Hollywood actor, does do exactly that, and he said, that, he said trimming, trimming the leaves makes the branch look bigger. <laughs>
0: I'm definitely trying it tonight. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for uh, all our guests, then Sandy Toxvig, John Lloyd, Lucy Porter, Nish Kumar, and Eric Lamper. Yeah. Thank you very much for uh, coming, and also for everyone download and listen to the podcast. Please uh, keep supporting and following. It's very important. Uh, if you can subscribe to them, tweet, Facebook, text, tell all your friends to do that as well. It's a great way to get involved and do your own bits of support. The great work that Amnesty International do. Now, playing this out, this is a real treat. Uh, a special Amnesty secret comedy podcast inspired rap, live now with a Bando man <laughs>
5: Thank you very much. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do, Christian, you've got some words uh, inspired by things that have happened in this very beautiful show. Yep, I've been Uh, making notes. If you can just shout them out, anything you give us, we're going to try and use it in a rhyme. We might get them, we might not. Time will tell. Ladies and gentlemen of Amnesty, this is the play-out song. Please make some noise. Oh, it's a podcast. Yep. For amnesty and it's a wrap-up yeah. of all the things we've seen okay so first of all going full throttle First word from Mr. Christian, Christian O'Connell. O'Connell. Shave scrotum. That's right, man, you know that we open with the shave scrotum. Yep, no man can be happy before the are Say hi to the Mac 3. <laughs> That's right, man, you know that it's true. Next word, Christian, I'm getting from you. Croydon. OK, yep, it's important. You know people are growing up according. But you know things are growing cold. Lucy Porter, northern soul. Man, you got to go do the business. John Locke, John Lloyd, going up to Ipswich. Next one that we take from you. Narnia Yep, that's right, it's true Yep, you know, yep, we all know Comedy is happening in the wardrobes Yeah, that's right, that's definitely true A venue, possibly, is true Narnia, yep, you know it's divine Eric Lampard tried to find the line Yep, that's right, man, we reckon this prosperous Who's the dude? Is it Mr. Mostophilus? I'm not too sure, but yep, we're gonna check The next one, Christian, please, can we get... Pussy Riot That's right, man, you know that's divine But say that again
0: one more time Pussy Riot
5: Oh yeah, man, I find it. I didn't hear the second word was, was riot. riot. Yeah, you know that we bust that. This is a rap just straight for the Russia. Man, I like this. Really fly. heard Sandy talking about Stephen Fry. And yep, everybody, you are invited. Join Amnesty for a pussy riot. Yep, you need to understand. Put up a hand for a beautiful band. Last one we checking, like Christian from you. QI. Yep, that's right, it's true. Yep, that's right, like he's the guy. Already mentioned mister like Stephen Fry. Yep, today He's with the boy Make some noise Big John Lloyd. Lloyd Yep man, you know we getting with this QI right back to spitting image Man, he dropping Dexter's dish First time he's been back since 7'6 Ladies and gentlemen, that's the jam Amnesty podcast, a band, oh man Yep man, we did it Man, now listen Passing it back to the big man, Christian wow. What a great ending
6: amnesty's secret comedy podcast
7: hi my name is Sora rydqvist and i'm the urgent action coordinator here at amnesty international i first got involved in amnesty back in school in sweden what inspired me then about amnesty is that a small action like writing a letter or sending an email can make a big difference to someone thousands of miles away now i work for amnesty and i can see this happening every day in my work Sometimes when somebody is at very serious risk of human rights abuse Amnesty needs to act very quickly. Through the urgent action network we can mobilize thousands of people around the world to write to the authorities demanding change. Through my work I get to hear the stories of thousands of people that Amnesty works for. People like Reza Radchenko, a 70-year-old human rights activist in Ukraine who was detained in a psychiatric clinic after speaking out against corruption in the country. After a first urgent action was issued, she started receiving better treatment in detention and was later released in July this year. I find people like Raisa incredibly brave for speaking out about human rights in countries where doing this can put them at real risk. I feel proud to be part of a movement of people that is standing with her and others at risk of human rights abuse. You can stand with us too. To find out more about my work in Amnesty, then just go to www.amnesty.org.uk and please donate £5 by texting TRUTH and your full name to this number 70505. Thank you.